0: I'm Mike Ellis. And
1: I'm Casey Doran. And this is Radio vs. the Martians.
0: As you guys know, I work at a used
1: bookstore, mm-hmm. and things come into my possession every
0: so often. People sell us
1: stuff. You're the fucking Rasputin of the bookstore from what I know. Oh, the shit I've seen. <laughs> I can give you like a,
0: like an end of Blade Runner speech about the shit I've seen, <laughs> but I I had something occasionally, you get the weird, you get the disgusting, and then you get something that's almost transcendent in its weirdness, <laughs> and that's what I have here today, which is a book I purchased for a couple bucks at work called Flashlights, Defensive Tactics Manual. Mm. Now, this uh, is a book, as you can see. I can probably (laughs) hand it around because the illustrations in this book really speak for itself. And as you know, podcasting is a visual medium. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as I can tell, this is a book that is entirely built around the idea of how to beat the shit out of people with a flashlight. How to use basically a flashlight to take to the streets... And take out people with knives. Can I get the title again? What's the title? Defensive tactics with flashlights or okay, flashlights. It's, it's for
2: defense, though. Defensive Defensive. Yeah. We, well, you know, it's not an assassination mission yeah, with flashlights. It's for defense. Let me read the chapter names: Mexicans, Blacks, <laughs> Foreign, other foreigners. <laughs> Those are the you three chapters. It to be like handwritten
0: by like. Uh, by like Travis Bickle or something when you go through this book. The illustrations are really what make this thing. Oh they, have, they have
1: bell bottoms. All yeah. the guys have bell bottoms so that definitely puts this, this in its
0: context. This book is if nothing if not comprehensive and there's all these illustrations. Okay. <laughs> well, the here's one if
2: someone hits you with a cane. <laughs> so
0: in the event you were fighting
2: the elderly mm.
0: here's how you disarm and then bludgeon them using a maglite.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Monty Python sketch about a man attacking you with a banana. <laughs> and
0: what what I love is that this thing, again, is comprehensive to the point of being like a weird man's obsession from inside of a cabin in an undisclosed location.
2: This was bought out of the back of a guns and ammo. I guarantee you. It it's is. one of those like where they have the classifieds for the really weird books for the survivalists.
0: There's like a spinner rack, and this is right next to like the
2: Turner Diaries. I flipped through this, and I was amazed by all of these apply to a fleshlight as well. If you need to defend yourself... <laughs> <laughs> the f- the flashlight vigilante
0: would be fucking incredible that's my rapping name actually <laughs> but as best I can sort of figure it out this is a book that teaches you basically how to be a daredevil style vigilante using a flashlight theme and okay that's a... stupid why would daredevil need a
2: flashlight <laughs> <laughs>
0: well I can tell that one thing that the one thing you don't apparently use a flashlight for in this book is using it to illuminate a dark area <laughs> it's for
1: hitting people it's like okay man comes at you with a knife mm-hmm. comes at you with an overhand is, there, underhand. is there at least in some part of this where they say that you can turn on the flashlight to blind your attacker?
2: I think so. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because that's obvious, right? So that still works for Daredevil. (laughs) (laughs) You can also use to check how much brain damage you've done to them after to (laughs) check their pupil dilation response.
0: So when I get something like this, it just seems to be so utterly specific to the author's
2: life. Did you look up this cat?
0: (laughs) I haven't yet. I'm almost afraid to, because I imagine he's probably on some kind of a watch list. (laughs) (laughs) He's living in the woods of Idaho. But I imagine that, you know, you're like, why would somebody make this book? Why would somebody make a book to disarm a guy with a knife using a flashlight? And I'm like, oh, God, this is from some scary security guard or something. My personal... Amateur psychological analysis okay. of this dude is that this is a security guard who is not allowed to have a gun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. that he still goes through his weird, uber-violent Walter Mitty life of what he thinks that he is when what he's really doing is, like, guarding the gap. And he only has a flashlight, but he wants to be fucking
1: Batman. He wants to be dirty Harry. And no, he, by, by the looks of this book though, it had to have been what's the copyright did in? Is it seventies or eighties? It has that look. It's weird because uh, 1982. nineteen eighty two. So, okay. So this was a time when uh the sort of litigious nature of retail space was that you probably actually could assault a person trying to get away with some merchandise. Which those liberal judges did and yeah, their regulations. Now you can't. Now yeah. you just have to let them walk out of the store because you you can't. You can't ever really know if they're actually committing a crime until a police officer That's comes there. That's why we waterboard them. You. Right. Oh, <laughs>
2: you've obviously never had your entire workforce pulled in for separate interviews by Fred Meyer's loss prevention people in the middle <laughs> of the night. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. When they
0: throw a sack over your head?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not mine, but everyone working there. What I,
1: like, do, they, do they have electric clamps on the nipples, mm. too? Was it, no. It's the flashlight huh? that makes it so specific,
0: because this guy wants to I. This is the thing, again This is the best book Mark Furman ever wrote. It has that <laughs> vibe, and it's like, this is entirely speculation, but mm. Are it's you like,
2: like a doctor? Can you uh, can you divulge anything about the patient that sold you this? What else was in his stack? How many hentai anime books did he sell this to you with The thing
0: is that is not entirely off? No, the table. no, it
1: would have been Delta Force. He would have had mm. the entire collection of the Delta Force movies on VHS.
0: Probably a lot of my little pony.
1: That's the thing is I found this a bunch of times is that the folks that sell you at work
0: the most Bibles, the most religion material, are also the ones that are also going to be selling you all the porn. That's that's huh. generally how it works. Really? Yeah, I think that you've got that kind of tight valve over your morality. You the Bible the Old
2: Testament is arguably mostly incest porn wrapped in a disaster film.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, this is, it's just bizarre. But again, why a flashlight? It's like, because he's not allowed to have a
1: baton. He's this not is for to have felons <laughs> who want
2: to have guns but can't, and they need to know how to fight.
1: No, I mean, it was just like when we did our panel on vigilantes, uh, I read... Um, the Mac, some of the Mac MacBullen books, and you know those are sort of pulpy, rack, um soft cover books. And of course, just like reading through a Soldier of Fortune magazine, there's a lot of aspirational goods in the back of the uh, in the back of the MacBullen novels. There was an advertisement for Aviator sunglasses. <laughs> That, like, fold up in like, – they fold in half, too. Like, it was weird. They fold in half. They're aviator sunglasses in a leather case because the idea is that the person who's reading a Mac Bolan novel wants to be Mac Bolan and therefore will buy all the accoutrement. <laughs> the question is, is there, is there an advertisement for mag lights in the back of this book? <laughs> oh, I don't think this guy actually works A for leather a, Like a leather belt that holds mag lights, you know? probably in a hand double wield a maglite in mean, each hand like you're
0: in a
2: John Woo movie
0: <laughs> the dual wield
2: maglite yes that's a thing <laughs> this, <laughs> this book has highlights it's, oh wow
0: and that's what i love about it too yeah somebody took this shit seriously mm. and that's what i kind of love about it this idea that this guy was just either i don't know what scares me more the person who bought it or the person who wrote it Actually, no, I don't mean that. I mean, the person who wrote it clearly is worse. But that's what I love about it is, and this is, again, a part of my job mm-hmm. that I find fascinating is that I essentially, people throw their personal possessions in front of me and my job with their permission. to not react to was, Well, not to react. <laughs> I get to dig through it and it's almost impossible to not have... Um, a psychological profile that you start to build. <laughs> and again, the, we were talking again before about the buys that we get, that we come in that I refer to as the broken dreams to buy. Right, right. Where somebody comes in, they've got a bunch of books on how to be an actor or how to be a lawyer or how to become a fireman. Or how to flip houses by the two midgets on the infomercial. Oh, yeah, the lot of how to get <laughs> yeah. rich books. Yeah. And what you find is you find uh, that you're meeting this person at the point of their life that they just go, you know what? I'm a grown-up now. I'm not really going to do this. Or just that sad point where they realize they're not good enough to do a certain thing professionally. And part of you makes it a little bit sad. The one that makes me happy, though, is that I like to believe that maybe one of them out of 100 has mastered all of the things in this book. And they don't need it anymore. (laughs) And it's like, but the thing with the flashlight that like, gets so weird about it is like, you just keep thinking, well, it's not technically a weapon. So if they see me skulking in an alleyway with it, I'm like, no, officer,
1: this isn't a weapon. This is just a light that has dried blood on it. <laughs> Jeremy, but read the call to action on the back cover of that book. Call to action.
2: <laughs> Defense tactics with flashlight. No, the, d- the very top. The very top. Oh. Make this book come alive. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so- they They want someone to go out there.
1: And take a maglite and bludgeon someone into unconsciousness. That, this, is, this is the point of the book. Somebody's going to deal with the
0: scum, I, the fetish I had
2: assumed shit. it was sold with like a Wiccan book that could <laughs> animate this book into a physical being. Make, <laughs> make this book come alive. This is part of a, a video. This is a companion piece to a video. Oh, is it? Ooh. Yeah, because here on the back, Defense Tactics with Flashlights, is a video training manual. Oh! Or the guy who drew the pictures for this book has a really shady idea of what a video is. <laughs> <laughs> like the illustrator doesn't understand. Well, a it's a flip It book. is a flipbook. yeah. <laughs> um, no, so, so there's a video out there somewhere that we need to get a hold of and send a Red Letter Media. <laughs> we have to. Because yeah.
0: <laughs> what I love is the pictures of this. They have him blocking. They have him kicking. It's... Really well thought out for something that, if you have access to other things, you can use as a weapon. Almost every one of them is going to be better.
1: There, do, do you think they ever?
2: Do you think they use the word dojo even once in this book? Oh, I bet your sensei is misusing <laughs> it there somewhere. There's a full There's page of acknowledgements indicating that this book has been heavily researched by the foremost flashlight beating the shit out of guys with. <laughs> you mean the experts. LAPD? <laughs> yeah, in the 80s, did we know that the LAPD was doing that yet? Like the early 80s.
0: What other racist cop things can we use as props for
2: self defense courses?
0: Like a phone book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the sequel to this book it looks like your taillights out <laughs> by John G.
1: Peters Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I we just got finished talking about Predator, and the one thing that I did not get to mention was uh, was how much I draw you draw parallels from Arnold Arnold and Stallone movies. They have this reverberating effect on culture even to Japan, obviously because the number of times especially that especially to Japan especially there's some to sort japan. of weird tunnel between us
2: and japan it's it's, it's a two way street rest, really so, yeah
1: um, uh, uh, the number of times that uh, either Stallone as Rambo or Schwarzenegger in some role appears as video game cover art or appears as the inspiration for a character in a video game, say for example this there is there's sort of a shot in the middle of predator where he's sort of crouching with a gun in his arm and he's got the, they've got like the net uh, there and he's sort of like creeping forward. That sort of screen cap was ripped off for the Contra box art for, for North America. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I was also thinking about the Akari Warriors, too, which is an arcade game that was also on NES. And you sort of like your guy sort of rotates in 45 degree increments, but he, everyone sort of looks like Rambo. There's this sort of like two way street, this parallel street between 80s action movies and those fucking ridiculously over the top cartoonishly violent video games that mm-hmm. are now sort of part of our nostalgia. Something you play when you're six years old and you're like, I you know, I tore so many holes in people's bodies, you know, in Nicaragua, Nicaraguan uh, refugees. You, you know, gorillas or something. Yeah, that's who are thing. we killing in those video games? I, never under, I did not understand at the time who we were supposed to be killing.
2: The safe
0: bed of aliens and
1: robots <laughs> usually gave mm. you an out where you didn't really become
0: an outright murderer. And, but the other one, too, is that you look You're at the
2: Russians r- and Germans and South
0: Americans. Yeah. <laughs> you can come up with a fictional Eastern European country. It's mm. what a lot of movies have done because there's always a touch There's fictional
2: thing. Africa, there's fictional South America, and then, the, yeah, there's fictional Europe.
0: Yeah, you you create a fake country that they come from, and sometimes you just have to have an accent that sounds kind of Russian, kind of German. (laughs) It muddles it a little bit. Half
1: Russian, half German. The ultimate bad
0: guy. Yeah. Half Russian, half German. All you know is he's got some kind of communist-y looking uniform, and he's like, oh, where is the microfilm? And, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. But the funny thing you mentioned with Contra, though, is if you look at the player one, player two... As they look on the cover of the box that came with a Contra game that you lost right away, they are basically Arnold Schwarzenegger and Cy Stallone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You said the American cover, right? Yeah. So the Japanese cover- It was Gryzor or something. It's just a panda eating ramen, though, which is really strange.
1: (laughs) I'm sure it has something to do with the H.R. Geiger-esque aliens, I'm sure. That's the weird thing with that video game Contra,
0: is that you go into this game and you're just fighting soldiers on an island, which is just about every 80s action movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And then fucking aliens show up halfway through the game. And then the
2: very last level. Weird about Contra, brilliant in Halo that they did a turn like that. (laughs) You're just like, what? Speaking of things inspired by Predator, the elites in Halo are totally Predator monsters. Of course.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, the Predator. Also, StarCraft. They even have camo. (laughs)
2: They even have the active camo. Yeah.
0: Um, They do. Uh, StarCraft, you know, the Zerg and what were the Protoss are very clearly aliens and Predators. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, you can use this sort of everywhere. I mean, it's funny. Have the- you watched
2: the Everything Is a Remix series on YouTube? I have not. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's good. Amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. I'll, I'll, I'll,
1: I'm not sure what you're. If you're talking, are, are you the guy goes to-
2: through Kill Bill, but he talks about inspiration versus just ripping someone off, and copyright law, and Disney, and how Disney now owns the culture, and we will all be killed by Disney Terminators eventually. <laughs> I may have ad libbed some of that.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure that they're going to have some sort of version of like the X Men style Sentinels
1: that are just there to in- enforce copyright law, <laughs> mm-hmm. hunt you down if you if you happen to have a you know a bootleg copy of uh, just a thought. Probably some fanfic, and Disney will
0: send a Terminator. <laughs> it's going to go say your name at the door mm-hmm.
1: adaptation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This does not, this is a violation of copyright law. <laughs>
1: Fair use does not exist. <laughs> Fair use is a myth.
0: Oh, my God. So, Casey, you and I saw something recently. Like, one of the oh. things that we like to talk about on this show is... I mean,
1: we saw something. We, we experienced, experienced something. something. Yes. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah.
0: That um, one of the things that we like to champion a lot, especially really recently, I think both of us have kind of come around to this as a philosophy that... There are too many fucking movie trailers around, and that we don't need to spend a fucking year watching every little 10 minute segment. Or not even ten minutes, ten seconds segments. Yeah. Jesus, it's, it's like like I said, I like to, to uh, describe this and compare it to how we look at the Sapruder film. But we don't need to look, <laughs> you know, frame by frame and figure out every single part of a movie like, say, Star Wars that we all know we're going to see. We well, don't watch. need
2: to, but someone will do that for you. That's why you don't need to do so, that. And we
0: don't need you know a
2: entire year and a half of commercials for something and.
0: That there's something to be said for the ability to experience a movie where you don't know anything about it. You go in completely fresh, and you can be surprised. So when there's an actor who appears in it, you're like, oh, wow, I guess John Lake is in John Wick. Right.
2: And uh, who's the That's guy how The Room. Yeah, the Room. The new The Room. Oh. I thought it was going to be The Room. The Room? But it was telling something so. completely different. Yeah, yeah I thought it was going to be telling yeah. you why so is The Room, like it updated and made good. Not, no. Not at all. No,
1: <laughs> very it's, different. A, it's a very yeah. different. Yeah,
2: but uh, I wished I had a flashlight to protect my soul from what that movie <laughs> did to me. <laughs> well, just show us on the doll where that movie touched you, Jeremy. <laughs> just turn the doll inside out and stab it.
0: <laughs> uh, so, uh, speaking of feeling like you've been turned inside yeah. out and stabbed,
1: we saw we saw Neon Demon, the latest Nicholas Vending Reffin. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I think so. He's the guy who did Drive. Right, right. He, I think he, he, he I've did seen
2: it. Vel- what you've seen Drive? You've seen Drive, right? Drive? Yeah, I've seen Drive. Yeah. yeah. No, Neon Demon. Is there a panda eating ramen on the cover?
0: No, no, <laughs> no. There is not. It would not surprise
2: me. Well, that was me. Contra. Yes. <laughs> there,
0: there are things in this movie that I really don't know
2: how to feel about. Yeah, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't spoil. Uh, what did you think you were going into?
1: I, I didn't know. I, I had seen a trailer. Yeah. And I did not know. I had no fucking idea. I had no clue. It was, one of the, it was kind of like the big Lebowski trailer where it's a trailer that gives absolutely nothing away because the trailer doesn't say anything and all you get is a collection of weird images. For a movie in the in the end, in the final analysis, for a movie that is basically a collection of extremely bizarre images done at a very slow burn, it's the perfect way to sell that movie. Um, but you didn't know anything about it. You had not no, even seen – think you think just I'd had my a, recommendation.
0: I had your recommendation. I think I'd seen a poster.
2: Um, I know that it was something about the fashion industry. Just by the reverent tones in the room, I'm getting a Requiem for a Dream. Bug. No,
0: there's, uh, there's like things that horrify you in it. I mean, like that mm-hmm. part of Requiem well, for a Dream. Well, you said where...
2: fashion industry. I'm already horrified. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> the, worse the than fact you The fact think. that that's a thing just makes me want to grab it's, my flashlight. It's a
0: very beautifully <laughs> shot movie. And in that way, I think we both, we talked about it afterwards in the same way that we talk about like we both
2: experienced Nom together or something. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to talk about it um we unlike requiem for <laughs> <Brewer> a <laughs> dream who if you watch that with someone else you just never speak to that person it's, again it's, yeah <laughs> it's not a good first date movie, <laughs> sorry yeah know? sorry girl from tender this was a bad idea <laughs> this
0: would have been a terrible first date yeah. movie yeah oh man because this is one where you're like i don't know what just happened and you feel like this movie has been inflicted on you by the person who invited <laughs> you to it you're like what is it that you're asking me to do after we get out of this movie? <laughs> I'm not really sure, but yeah, the the thing that the best way to describe this invisible movie,
2: monsters. I'm feeling a little. Invisible yeah, monsters. very much invisible monsters. Yeah. Chuck Palahniuk vibe. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, it's a little yep. bit
0: of Chuck Palahniuk, but it also really has a lot of um, David Kubrick, Lynch. David Lynch and Kubrick. In Kubrick. I would say. With Kubrick, it's got kind of the <laughs> it's a
2: Chuck Palahniuk, David Lynch. Stanley Kubrick Neapolitan of a movie it Yes is. <laughs> It is Except Strawberry. that Strawberries Chocolate and vanilla Are flavors Everyone can love Yes
0: <laughs> And these are ones You didn't know Could ever be mixed together Without yeah.
2: exploding So Gummy worms And the salt They put around A tequila glass It is And some glass We'll put some glass In there. Yes. broken glass Because that's the surprise mm-hmm. And there's plenty Of broken glass mm-hmm. surprises In this mm-hmm. movie um,
0: Oh my god It has Like with Kubrick It's sort of the just beautifully shot. There's all this really interesting hypnotic imagery. Um, it, I mean, it's a beautiful looking movie. Like with David Lynch, there's these moments that are just like, what the fuck? Like, like out of nowhere. There's a scene where, you know, the, the woman, uh, what's her name? Elle Fanning. Yep. Uh, I think it was Dakota Fanning's little sister, mm-hmm. is uh, going to L.A. to be a fashion model. And at one point, she comes back to the seedy apartment, like super seedy, like mm. something out of like a Death Wish movie is the place where she's staying. Uh, this is the sort of place you expect Charles Bronson to fucking clean this place up. <laughs> um, it's being run by, in one of the
1: best cameos oh ever- Oh my God, it's a fantastic-
2: John Leguizamo. <laughs> like no.
0: no! Keanu Reeves is the <laughs> seedy guy running the motel- Oh yeah. Who, oh my God, there's shit with this dude, and his weird little Renfield helper, <laughs> who does a little dirty work. At one point- uh, Elle Fanning goes back to her motel room and she sees shit moving around in there. Like, holy shit, there's somebody in my my hotel room. Mm. And she basically has to threaten to call the cops to get uh, scary Keanu Reeves to do anything. They go upstairs, and this is this is an example of weirdness that isn't exactly a spoiler. There's a fucking mountain lion in her room. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> And the thing with this movie it's is- It's in that,
1: the trailer, so it's not that huge. It's not a spoiler. Is that <laughs> it,
0: it never really tells you if it just wandered in there because she left the window open and this is a scary, seedy place, or if somebody intentionally left it in, and I could believe either or, given this Or, or, or is if it it's wanna, just a
1: supernatural element of like a, a, a mountain lion is spawned in a room just for shits and giggles. Is this like you, a you magical no idea.
0: reality thing where this is a metaphor? Does she
1: have no reaction to the mountain lion? Oh, no. She practically shits
0: herself.
2: Okay, because I really hate movies where something really weird like that happens and no one reacts acts at all
0: it the weird thing is when you watch it you almost don't know if it's that or the real thing you have to wait a little bit you're like oh okay there's they're fucking weirded out by this too you're like okay this is real there's a lot of the is this real type moments in
1: this movie it's a, it's such an it, what i find interesting is it's such an incredibly sparse movie like there are very few actors in the movie um and when you see them there you know there are you know there are probably s- Five or six main players, I would guess, mm-hmm. in the in the whole movie. Despite the fact that LA is a very, very dense place. I mean, you'd lived in LA, right, yeah, Jeremy? You know. Briefly. Um, it's a dense place. There are lots of people. There are lots of cars. Um, you frequently feel like you're. Uh, like, this is. I felt in, in shades of how I felt watching Lost Highway for the first time in the theater, which is I felt like I was fucking. Alone in the, even though I was in a theater with other people, alone in the dark and scared out of my fucking mind because of what this shot that's being t- of one room that's taking way too long for something to happen, and then when something happens, you're fucking weirded out by what you're weirded out by what it is you're seeing. That, I've never had a vibe of a movie like that since you know 1998. Since I, last but when Highway.
0: you're just staring at it and you don't know how to feel and you're waiting for the movie to give you a cue, um, I mean it's again beautifully shot, beautiful imagery, but. Uh, the, so many of the characters in the movie are just so horribly cruel. They are, and What I love about it is it is a movie about the fashion industry, so you are, in effect, objectifying yourself to become the perfect object. And, of course, the girl at the head of this movie is somebody who is, of course, taking the world by storm. She becomes the new It Girl, which, I mean, it's basically what you realize. This is a movie where the fucking One Ring is the main character, mm-hmm. and everyone is trying to use her or possess her or destroy her. Preferably by throwing her into a volcano, which if that happened, I would totally believe it.
2: I haven't seen it, but that doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility to me, just based on this description of the movie.
0: The only part of L.A. that feels like the seedy part of L.A. that I could afford to walk through is... um,
2: All of L.A. is a seedy part of L.A. It's weird. Don't believe the hype. There is not a... continuous three blocks that you don't fear for your life.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, the hotel has that vibe to it, but then there's parts that take place in the world of the fashion industry that almost feels like you're in a science fiction movie. Yeah. It almost mm-hmm. feels a little bit 2001,
1: a little bit Logan's run. No, I mean, well, that's the th- there is an important part there is that there is an element of this movie that very much feels like the the warp tunnel in 2001 and you and i i still don't understand what it is i don't it's it's got that element of a movie that's like this is way over my head i don't know what it is you don't even know if the filmmaker knows what they were doing when they were doing it you know what i'm talking about with yeah, this the triangle yeah, that yes. you see throughout and you're not really sure what it symbolizes no idea what but it, it is. looks like the triforce upside down <laughs> you've cracked the code it does I mean, the, I mean, the only thing we can say to people who haven't seen it is is that it's it is a ridiculous experience. You should see it in a movie that's loud. Actually, is that it's just like Lost Highway in that respect. Is that you should see it in a dark theater and you should see it really fucking loud. Yeah, and cause go of the experience.
0: See it with a person with whom you've got a solid relationship, whether it's somebody <laughs> yeah. you've been dating or married to for quite some time, not a first date. Because if you're the person who suggests this, this will hang over that relationship like a dark cloud. And they're going to go, who is this person? It's like when you find out that someone you don't know really well is really into serial killers. <laughs> and it's like you can't turn that part off. That piece of knowledge changes the context both, of everything. Both these
2: concepts, like really bad movie, really into serial killers, this is why I never make it to a second date. Yeah. <laughs> like you want to watch American Beauty, and then I'll tell you about Ted Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> Ed yeah. Guinan is really misunderstood. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, Hitler some, had a lot of points.
2: <laughs> Let's watch Train Spotting, make out a little bit, and then I'll give you a lecture on John Wayne Gacy while applying grease paint. That's yeah. how most of my first dates go. Because
0: the thing that you want to experience on a first date is a moment where somebody's giving you a lecture where you feel like they could slip into violence at any time. <laughs> They're just a little too intense. And that's the thing is, um, there's bits of this movie that kind of feel like you're experiencing that, where you're like, right. I don't know, I kind of want to leave. It's like. This is sort of hypnotic, but I feel like I have an element of danger watching this. Like I don't know what's going to happen, but I imagine it's going to be horrific. Um, I don't want to spoil the ending. No, but it is the triangle flips right
2: side up. Oh, it's a Zelda Spoiled. movie. Yeah. It blows the flute of time, or what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the ocarina of time, Jeremy.
2: Yeah, whatevs. <laughs> but yeah, you gotta hit Did the I yellow buttons. I just say whatevs. <laughs> Are you you going to say totes? Sweet. sweet. My YOLO is broken.
0: (laughs) But yeah, it's a movie that... I mean, there's so many movies that we've seen. Like, John Wick is very clearly a a classic action revenge movie. um, That when we watch Midnight Special, there's a lot of science fiction in it, but there's a mystery element to it that you can kind of guess within the first half an hour what it is you're watching. But there was always a moment in The Neon Demon where... I felt like everything had just crumbled and I'm, I've i been tricked into watching something else and I'm like, wait, is this what this is about? <laughs>
2: oh, God. And That's then... how I feel about every David Lynch movie except Dune. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, Dune gets a walk. Where I just kind of like, yeah, this is fucking weird. Not all of
0: this is out of the mind of David Lynch. He adapted mm. this from something. But... <laughs> but I've read what he adapted
2: it from. It's not that weird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh Jesus! So yeah, I'd say if you are a fan, yes, of, are you are
2: doing are you doing
1: a strong recommend? I think of Neon Demon, or um, I think it's something recommend? you should experience. But I think that you should
0: know ahead. This is very much a hard R movie. That if you're Ye- somebody, yeah. who, there's there are some some gore elements in it. There's some. There is some disturbing shit that happens in this
1: movie, but it's sort of hypnotic <laughs> disturbing shit. I mean, this isn't Lars von Trier's, like, nymphomaniac. No. No, it's not like, there's not going to be basically, like, pornography on the screen. It's just incredibly, there are things that are disturbing, very, very disturbing. I do, I
0: will spoil one thing, and it's the thing that I find fascinating about this movie, that the character who is the young guy that she meets on the internet, who wants to take pictures of her, because she's going to be famous and she's pretty is the one guy in the movie who's is the least creepy? Yeah, yeah. That is that's a twist. Yeah, it's there's, 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 <laughs> that's, it's like that's that's a twi- that's probably <laughs> the least realistic thing in the movie even past the the mountain lion in the room. Right.
2: The advice you gave on the movie what, what was it? A recommends? I recommend mm-hmm. you gave it the same way uh, an old hippie would tell someone to use acid. Yeah, <laughs> like do, but have a have someone around to watch you and make <laughs> sure you're okay. I
0: can't guarantee how you're going to respond to yeah. this movie, mm-hmm. but you should not just do it remember alone.
2: it will end. Okay, <laughs> your life will come back. It'll be all, we just have some orange juice, chill. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good recommendation. <laughs>
0: Radio vs. the Martians is produced by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. Our editor was Mike Gillis. Our theme music was written and performed by Todd Maxfield Matsumoto. Find us online at com and send us your feedback at info at Radio the Martians.com.
2: This program will show you how to use your flashlight as a defensive tool. Being properly trained in using your flashlight as a defensive weapon will greatly reduce you and your department's exposure to liability, both physical and financial.